You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. Fired Up Browns with your host, Daniel Garrett, and today we are discussing the Browns' loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Browns lost 33-29. Chiefs came back in the second half after trailing at the half to the Browns, and the Browns made a lot of mistakes that they need to clean up, but very correctable stuff. Give a few guys back that they didn't have this time. Same with the Chiefs, and we can hopefully see this matchup again come playoff time so let's get into it so the browns obviously lost this one to chiefs the browns start out pretty hot scoring 22 points in the first half there's three touchdowns and two point conversion on the first one held the chiefs to just 10 which is fairly impressive against a dynamic chiefs offense and they just couldn't really get enough going to keep that lead the no lead is really safe with the chiefs and they only scored seven points in the second half and gave up 23, which just isn't good enough to beat the Chiefs. Or realistically, if you give up 23 points in the second half, that's not good enough to beat any real contender. You you may be able to get away with it if you score more than that, but if you're having a margin of 16 points, you're, you're probably not winning any games with a 16-point second-half margin, realistically, unless you're up just so big. If you're up by like 30 at the half, like if it's 31 nothing, sure, giving up six a 16-point margin in the second half, you're probably going to be fine. But you, you just can't give up that many points and not be able to score. And a lot of the Browns' scoring opportunities that they lost out on were just dumb mistakes such as the Chubb fumble, which... Not the biggest deal. Chubb doesn't have fumble issues, so not extremely worried about it. And Chubb was very effective. But you look at stuff like that, and you look at having that holding call on Teller that really knocked you out of field goal range there at the end of the half. And stuff like that just kills you. And the big thing everyone's going to be talking about, obviously, is the Gillen drop punt where he fumbled the ball there, had a great snap, wasn't wasn't Hufflet's fault, just uh, just fumbled the snap and really just messed up. It's plain and simple. He messed up, and if you're going to mess up, you can't do it in that situation when you're backed up against your own end zone. You're already giving them the ball in the red zone. They didn't have to do anything to score there. All they had to do was complete one big pass. That's all they did. They didn't even get anything on two of the plays. It's not like they had some methodical drive or even 25 yards. They had to go. They were in the red zone the second they got the ball, and you just can't do that. And so we're going to go over some of the 
bright spots as well as some of the negatives in this Browns game, but really it's quite obvious you just cannot make major, major mistakes like they made. And obviously, so the other turnover is the Baker interception. That's no big deal. You're trying to come back. Like, if you don't throw that and you take the sack, does it give you a better opportunity to win? Well, obviously, because you didn't get the ball back. The Chiefs were able to run out the clock. So it killed any chance of a comeback. But if you take the sack, your chances of a comeback are pretty slim anyways. Like, even without the sack, if you get that ball out of bounds, chances of a comeback still pretty slim. Because you got to score a touchdown there. And if you take the sack, it's even lower odds. Obviously, you don't want the interception. That's just a guy trying to do a little too much. And that's not any indictment of him as a player in this game we'll get to it later but he was phenomenal the interception makes his stats look a little worse but he was absolutely phenomenal and so let's get into first some of the negatives and so we we got to a lot of the mistakes in terms of turning the ball over and that that's the major concern with this game but there are a couple other smaller things that we can look at to improve on other than ball control and you you have to start out with the fact that you allowed Travis Kelsey to just absolutely dominate and we said this going in we were with Jordan Foote we discussed this it's impossible to completely stop Travis Kelsey you have to slow him down. And one of the hardest things to do with slowing down Kelsey is when you have four guys that could possibly help on Kelsey, having one of them hurt and Grant Delpit and having another one get kicked out the game. So, obviously, you cannot punch people while you are playing football. You do not punch people. It is not a difficult concept. Now, does the coach deserve every single punishment that Ronnie Harrison got? Absolutely. That coach deserves deserved ejected. He deserves fined. If Harrison got fined, that's perfectly understandable that people want that. You should want that. He deserves the same punishment. You do not do that. You do not put hands on other people. If you put hands on me and you are not someone that is doing it in the course of the action, and you put hands on me, guess what? You're going to get swung on. That happens. That's going to happen. You should expect it. It's your fault. Now, is a push better than a punch? Absolutely. Do not punch people. But do not push people. You know, we'll go a little bit both ways there. And especially if you're Ronnie Harrison, when you don't have Grant Delpit in the game, you kind of have to make sure you can play. And you know how you can't play? When you throw a punch. That's an automatic ejection. We, we all remember Andre Johnson, Cortland Finnegan, just throwing punches left and right. That was great. That was fun. Uh, they're all ejected. So they don't really help the team. Guess who that helped? That helped the player, the team that got the best player ejected it helps the team that gets the better player ejected if you get ejected that helps the other team guess what if you're going to tell me like 
let's say it's a NAR player like uh, John Johnson. If John Johnson throws a punch, we're screwed. Okay? You can't throw punches, people. But that whole situation was an absolute mess. Everyone in there involved was an idiot. Creed Humphrey, stop forcing players to not be able to move off your guy if you don't want them stepped on. So Creed Humphrey, I believe that was Creed Humphrey, 52. I forget Creed's number, but it looked like Creed Humphrey. Um, Could have been Tooney. Who knows? It was a big white dude on the offensive line. So that leaves those two. It was Tooney or Humphrey. And one of those two, um, let the guy get off your player. And then Harrison, don't punch people. And coach, don't push people. It's all a big circle where they're all a bunch of idiots. And guess what? When everyone's a bunch of idiots, idiotic stuff happens. So that's my thoughts on that. And then obviously that hurt tremendously in being able to stop Travis Kelsey. And then you also have the other good player that we discussed when a team has two good players and you can't stop either of them. And that would be Tyreek Hill. Guess what was effective? Just throwing Denzel Ward on that dude. Denzel Ward. Oh man, such a good game out Ward. But a lot of Tyreek Hill's good plays came when Ward wasn't on him. So going forward, when we have a really good player, we should look to do a bit more man. Now, obviously, throwing in different coverages, all that stuff, that's great, that helps, but it's Mahomes. It's not really going to matter all that much, honestly. Like, you can play all the coverage you want. Eventually, if you don't get home and you don't play good coverage, doesn't matter what you're running. He's going to figure it out. It's Mahomes. It's like doing the same thing Brady. Like, that's great if you're playing against, like, uh, Kirk Cousins. Like, that's great against him. Matt having all these different coverages. It's great. It's fantastic. It isn't as effective against Mahomes. What is effective against Mahomes is not letting his two best players get open. So, you have to think about it in a very team-specific concept. For the Chiefs, if we play them again, you cannot let Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey get open, and you make your game plan around that instead of what you typically do. But, against a normal, typical team, what they did is going to work, and it's going to be effective. So, it was a negative in this game, but going forward, it's going to be a positive if they do the same thing. So, a little bit of positive, a little bit of negative there. Obviously, we went over turnovers, we went over getting ejected, and we went over the game plan issues that I had with this game. And so next, we have to get into the strengths of this game plan. Since we just talked about some of the downsides with the game plan, for this game, you did do what I was saying to do in coverage in terms of being very team-specific. You did it. In terms of the pass rush, because your pass rush plan, you had good blitz looks over on that right side. You really attacked that right side of that offensive line, very inexperienced. You had Niang, you had Trey Smith, you had Creed Humphrey. Zero starts, all right in a row, center over to right tackle. You really overloaded that side a lot, and it really, really helped you out in terms of that was what got Joe Jackson. Now, obviously, so that is on mainly on Travis Kelsey there for not doing anything to help there against Joe Jackson. But 
the reason that Joe Jackson was able to do that and not get picked up by Travis Kelsey is because of the looks they were showing. And they did other looks that got pressures, didn't get sacks, but they did a lot of stuff over on that right side of the offensive line, and they need to continue doing that forward, find a weak spot. And obviously, on the other side, you have Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett's good. He's going to get pressure. He's going to get sacks. So, do other stuff on the other side of the line. And, again, some other good things... You look at Baker, just absolutely phenomenal day. 21-28, that's a 75% completion percentage. Completion percentage is not everything. Being on target is. And he was on target for most of those. Like most of the ones he completed, he was on target. It wasn't a matter of that. And we talked about that before in the preview of how much more on target he was at the end of the year last year compared to the beginning of the year. And he showed that and continued that same performance and ended up on just 28 passes, 321 yards, which is an 11 and a half average there. He did throw the pick, did get sacked a couple times, but overall pretty good getting 300 yards on 30 dropbacks is highly efficient offense. And typically you see three hunt, you see about eight yards ish average per attempt. We're getting 11 and a half. Per dropback game, 10 is just absolutely phenomenal. And you go into the receivers for them. David Njoku had an absolutely massive game. Three catches, 76 yards. Had that long one of 43 there. And had had five targets, so didn't get everything. But was fairly effective in what he did get. And obviously, Jordan Foote pointed out he was his sleeper, his X-factor there for Browns going into this game and I really do think he performed up to expectations of a first round tight end and that's really about the first time we can actually say that and the difference between this year and last year for David Njoku is A. it's his second year in the system and B. he's healthy this dude is never healthy and he's healthy for once and guess what When he's healthy, he's an athletic freak, and he showed that he's an athletic freak. And you had other guys play very well. You had your next receiver is Travis Landry, five catches on five targets, 71 yards. And what I really like about this, he obviously had the 32-yard catch. But outside of that, you're still looking at, if you take that away, the 32-yard catch, he's still averaging 10 yards a catch, which is really good for what Jarvis is. Jarvis typically isn't that big separator and he also isn't the biggest run after catch guy so if he's able to continuously either get more downfield targets be in that more intermediate range when he catches it or be able to get more after the catch it's going to be really beneficial for the offense it was something that we talk about the Browns really lacking and that's why we are looking at these receivers with big yak upside we were looking at the Garrett Wilson's the Traylon Burks we were looking at these guys that were freaks in terms of getting the ball in their hand and letting them go and if Jarvis can do that that adds a little bit to that and obviously he can't be the only one you gotta get Odell back who's very good at that Odell can take a slant to the house we talked about that Odell if you take a slant to the house, that really helps out a guy's yak. So really getting that back and getting Jarvis improved at that is helpful. And then the the biggest addition here, we're looking at Anthony Schwartz. Three catches, 69 yards. Long of 44, average of 23, five targets. One of the targets was knocked out, was a little bit off, a little bit behind and inside of Schwartz, and really not his fault. Really just a 
not a poor throw, but not the best throw from Baker. It was catchable, but the corner made a great play on the ball to knock it out. So if the throw would have been a little better from Baker, would have been a catch. Or if the corner just hadn't made a really good play, it also would have been a catch. And obviously you have other people getting a catch or two in there and some targets. And yeah, you look at some of the uh, receiving yards and the passing yards are a little inflated by that Hail Mary. Like you probably had about 50 yards there, I would say. But realistically, it was a very good game passing the ball. And then you look at running the ball. The Browns just extremely effective. They had Jarvis go on a couple carries, two for 13, which not the best. Baker ran the ball once, had picked up seven yards on a scramble, and that's solid. And also Schwartz getting that end around. I believe it was actually a reverse. So ball went, yeah, it was a reverse. Ball went to Chubb first, I believe, and then. To Schwartz and very effective there got 17 yards hope for a little bit more on that and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb split the workload here six carries for Hunt got 33 yards picked up average five and a half got a touchdown and Chubb got 15 carries for 83 yards five and a half average and two touchdowns and you're really looking at just getting that five and a half average it's just absolutely insane and Really, if the Browns can continue this rushing attack, it's going to be very hard for any team to stop them. And you think about that. They did that without Jedrick Wills in the game for almost the entire, entire game. So without Jedrick Wills, this team is still running the ball extremely effectively. And now Hubbard is a good swing tackle. He's a great swing tackle, actually. He's very good at that role. But... He is a below average for a starter tackle. And when you have that on that line, that gap is pretty big. And you're thinking about that and you're still rushing the ball very well. And the Chiefs team, not not the best. Slow linebackers we talked about. Defensive line had some pretty solid players, but not exceptional. So this isn't the best run defense. And they were playing without Tyron Matthew, who does fill very well as a safety against the run. But they were still a solid maybe a little below average against the run they're not expecting a lot of teams to run against them but they, they're okay against the run and the browns even not at full strength were able to run the ball very effectively and they they showed balance and typically you do want a little more passing than running you're looking at i believe it was 30 snaps of 30 drop back snaps versus 26 rushes so that's pretty good and one of those rushes was actually listed as jamie gillen's rush where he got back to the line of scrimmage so really 25 rushes versus 30 dropbacks is a good number for the browns here so really happy with that and overall i thought the browns played fairly well you just got unlucky with a few things and obviously the chiefs are going to make plays but you know, looking forward, we can look forward to a couple games coming up that should be very winnable. And then after that, you really got to look for trying to see if we can play this Chiefs team again come playoff time. 
And that will be it for us here today on Fired Up Browns. We will be back later to preview the Browns game against the Houston Texans with Sam Walton. And really looking forward to that game. Texans are a friskier team than a lot of people thought. They just have big word for us in that, and that one's going to be competence. It's a very competent team. And so that'll be coming out later this week and then the browns do host the texans at one o'clock on sunday and again next time hopefully we get to play them again hope for a better result hope to limit the turnovers and hope to limit some explosive plays a couple of things that we did talk about was that explosive plays we did well creating our own explosive plays but didn't do the best at limiting theirs and so that's going to be a key facing some of these better offenses going forward is being able to limit those explosive plays but won't necessarily get a good look at that with the Texans. But hopefully in the few in the upcoming games here, we do get a look against a good offense to be able to see if we can more effectively limit those explosives. But again, we'll be back later. Preview the Browns game against the Texans. Browns lose to Chiefs 33-29. Let's get fired up. <laughs>